This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for September 27th, 2019. In this week's episode, new versions of iOS and Safari are available, why DNS over HTTPS matters, celebrity voices come to Alexa, a roundup of security stories, and new Apple gear arrives. Now here are the hosts of the Intego Mac podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Okay, it's the week after the week when all the new swag came out, and I know that Josh has some new swag and I have some new swag, and we'll discuss our new swag, our new Apple swag, later in the show, but we have a whole lot of news today. Uh, One of the most interesting to me, in last week's show, we told everyone that iOS 13 was coming out on the Thursday, so the day before the show was released, and that iOS 13.1 would come out on September 30th. This is what Apple announced. And of course, shortly after we recorded, uh, Apple changed their mind and they released iOS 13.1 on the 24th, on Tuesday of this week. And uh, this is kind of interesting because there were a lot of bugs in iOS 13. And if you just got a brand new iPhone, say Friday or over the weekend, uh, imagine if you had to wait till the 30th, about 10 days to get the new operating system. Um, Apple has been distributing betas of iOS 13.1 for a while. We explained how they forked the betas, both for developers and the public. Um, So releasing this early, I think, is a good thing. Not that everything's fixed. I'm still seeing some issues. But if you haven't updated to iOS 13.1, do it right away. Right. This is the kind of thing that people often say, okay, I'm just going to wait for the one release. You know, anytime a new operating system comes out, which is fair because, uh, you know, a lot of times that golden master, that, that, so-called final build, um, you know, it. it's once it gets out there to the general public, especially now you've got way more people looking at it than mostly developers who were looking at it before. And so you're a lot more likely to immediately run into a whole bunch of issues that maybe weren't discovered before or maybe weren't viewed as a big deal uh, that needed to be fixed before the first release. So now we've at least got a bunch of the fairly critical things fixed in 13.1. So I think it's definitely worth upgrading at this point in time. Um, Also, there are some security implications too to these um, updates. It's what's weird about this though, is that Apple isn't telling us what security problems there were in iOS 13 as well as watchOS 6, Xcode 11, tvOS 13, Safari 13 for Mac. What's going on here? Yeah, and we've discussed before that they don't issue the information until everything in every operating system has been patched. And that makes me think that maybe there's still something that hasn't been fixed yet or that hasn't been rolled out everywhere. You know what hasn't been rolled out everywhere? What? That, that Mac operating system... Remember? Oh, oh, that that what is it called the the cat the cat thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> it used to be cats. Yeah, Mac OS. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mac OS Catalina. Well, we still don't know when it's coming out. Sometime in October. Well, um, 
Exactly. So, so that's the thing. And people are kind of, ah, you know, so you're saying, right. Okay. So they're waiting for Catalina because, okay. Makes sense. Uh, you, you did notice that there's a Safari 13.01 that came out as well, right? Right. Yeah. So we've actually gotten two versions of iOS, two versions of Safari for Mac. Um, so they're, they're patching things left and right. It's, it's kind of, Kind of crazy, but uh, you know, obviously there are some security vulnerabilities in these products. But because these things are related to um, something that's unreleased, me- namely this, it has to be Mac OS Catalina, right? That that's right. It must have vulnerabilities that overlap with all of these other things, which makes sense because, especially when it comes to iOS, WatchOS, TVOS, those typically all have some of the same vulnerabilities. And because so they use that, the same underlying frameworks to power exactly. the operating systems. Right. So I think that's what's going on here. And I did reach out to Apple um, and they have had no response for me. So that only, you know, leads me to believe that it's got to be Catalina. There's no other obvious explanation for this. Um, At the same time, Apple issued a security advisory. Uh, this was on the 24th when 13.1 came out. Uh, it is entitled about an issue that impacts third-party keyboard apps in iOS 13 and iPad OS. There's an upcoming security update to fix an issue that impacts third-party keyboard apps. Now, I think it was iOS 10 when you could add third-party keyboard apps. And the main reason to do this was to use that swipe typing, uh, which is now part of iOS 13. These keyboard apps, obviously, they're keystroke recorders. So they record everything that you type. In some cases, they send your data to a server to train their predictive algorithms. Now, I never liked the idea of using any of these keyboards, um, but I don't recall Apple ever issuing this sort of security advisory in the past. Yeah, I couldn't think of one off the top of my head either. It is sort of unusual for them to announce there's a problem, but it's not being fixed yet. In this case, it kind of makes sense in in a way because it's related to third-party apps, although it's a problem with their operating system, their iOS and iPadOS operating systems, it it is something that relates to third-party apps. And so they're just saying, hey, if you're using any of these types of third-party apps, then just be careful. Be aware that it may be doing something that you didn't realize it was doing or didn't expect. Yes, and Apple stresses that it does not impact Apple's built-in keyboards. And if you do like the idea of swipe typing, the uh, implementation in iOS 13 is really quite clever. I I think this is the kind of thing you need to adapt to when you're used to typing with fingers and thumbs. The swiping is essentially, you just, let's take a word like Intego. You find the I and you touch it and then you swipe to the N, then to the T, then to the E, then to the G, then to the O. And I don't know how they do it, but they figure it out because sometimes you can swipe really fast and they still figure out what your word is. They're probably using a bit of the context of what you've been typing before and the context of what you type in general on your device. Probably. Yeah. I I imagine that they're probably using some of the same technology that they're using. You you know, those little preview words that show up above your keyboard in some cases. Yeah. That's the predictive uh, typing. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I th- I think that they're probably using that same technology with their version of the swiping type keyboard. Um but yeah, it is interesting. It it's 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 one of those things that's kind of amusing actually that it took Apple so long to add swiping to their own keyboard. That's it, true. It, yeah. It, it's it's sort of funny because the whole reason that they even started out with allowing third-party keyboards was for things like this. 
because everyone on Android was like, oh, I like my swipe keyboard. And everyone, you know, using iOS who was jealous of those people was like, come on, Apple, like, let us have swipe S-W-Y-P-E, I think was how how that company spelled it. Yeah. And uh, and so a- Apple, instead of just doing it themselves, instead of Sherlocking them, they waited and gave third-party developers the ability to do this and then Sherlocked them a couple of years later, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Okay, we have an article on the Intego Mac security blog. Firefox and Chrome rolling out DNS over HTTPS feature. And naturally, the abbreviation for DNS over HTTPS is... Duh. Don't! Don't! It's like I, I think is that it how like, it's pronounced. Like, you know, I've like never Homer seen The Simpsons. <laughs> I, I didn't know it was pronounced that way. I thought it was pronounced. Uh, I, I we were we were briefly discussing this before we started recording, and I want you to explain to me why I care about DNS over HTTPS because I don't understand. Okay, all right. So by default, DNS. And, and to quickly review, DNS is that technology that happens behind the scenes where if you type in Apple.com, for example, in your browser. Apple.com is not really where the server lives. There's an IP address, a string of numbers where that server lives in theory. And technically it's more complicated than that now because you have um, multiple servers that are actually serving the same website and things like that. But you need some way of finding out what the actual address is of Apple.com because you can't remember a whole string of numbers easily for every website. So DNS is that technology that does that translation automatically for you. It looks up what what is Apple.com really, and then it it tells your computer, and now you can pull up Apple.com in your browser. So DNS over HTTPS is interesting because it's one of the ways that you can secure the DNS protocol. By default, DNS lookups are not secured. And so if you are just using plain ordinary DNS then whoever is managing that network will be able to find out what websites you're going to, what uh, types of apps you're using, because all of those things typically use domain names, not IP addresses. And so you're just leaking information about where you're going on the internet to whoever operates that network. So if you're in a public place, um, you know, a hotel that maybe doesn't require a password to initially connect uh, or a restaurant. There's lots of places that do this kind of thing. Then in those cases, even it's possible potentially for other people sharing that same open network to be able to find out where someone is going. And so it's just kind of something you don't necessarily want to be leaking that kind of information. And so DNS over HTTPS is a way to work around that and secure that DNS protocol. Okay, so Firefox and Chrome, has Apple said anything about extending this to Safari? Not that I've heard of. Um, so, I, yeah, I, it, it's it's interesting because now Apple's getting a bit behind here. I mean, of course, Apple is always iterating on these privacy controls and things, and they're, they always talk about privacy, privacy, privacy. And then here's something where they're really behind the curve. Um, it's not like this is some brand new protocol. It's been around for a while. Um, but there is one thing that we can recommend to people if they really want DNS over HTTPS, you don't, at least on iOS, you don't have to wait for Apple to update Safari or update iOS to, to handle this for you. Um, there's a third party app called, 
1.1.1.1. We've had a, a blog post a while back on the Intego Max Security blog about it. And they actually have an iOS app that you hit a button and it will enable DNS over HTTPS for every lookup on your device. Um, so that's one. And, and it's not just your browser. It's if an app does a lookup as well. And that's what's right. interesting. Right. So I actually, I, I've, I kind of already use this sometimes. And so you, you don't even necessarily have to wait on iOS, which is kind of nice. The Firefox and Chrome thing, that specifically is for the Mac versions of those apps that are getting DNS over HTTPS. Okay. I wanted to briefly discuss uh, Amazon's new product event that they held yesterday. So this was on Wednesday, the 25th. Um, because we've talked about the Amazon Echo, Alexa, smart assistants, all of these and the privacy issues that they raise. Amazon is trying to get Alexa in every little niche possible. Um, it's not enough to have an Alexa speaker. It's not enough to have an Alexa device with a screen. Now they're coming out with an Alexa ring and Alexa glasses. Now, call me old fashioned. The idea of having a ring to do something like that just seems a little bit ridiculous, particularly because rings are generally jewelry. Um, it's not the first time there's been a ring type tech product. Um, we were looking up before the show, we found one called the Padrone Ring, which was like a giant touchpad you could move your hand around. The Motiv, M O T I V, ring is a fitness tracker, but it can also do one time security codes for two factor authentication. The tap keyboard looks kind of like brass knuckles that are connected together, and you can just kind of like do air typing, I guess, to type. Um, so I'm I'm not too confident that the the ring is going to do much or the eyeglasses because eyeglasses are again a thing a certain pair of glasses might suit you but not someone else and you need a hundred different types. But they've got Alexa powered earbuds coming out. They've got uh, a new indoor camera. They've got something called the Echo Flex, which is a tiny little Echo device that you plug into a wall plug, and it's maybe half the size of an iPod. Um, it's really small. Basically what they're doing is you can paper, you can wallpaper your house with Alexa devices everywhere. That kind of worries me. Oh, and it's not just your house because they also have one for your car too. Well, to be fair, Apple and Google already have similar things, you know, CarPlay and Android car, whatever it's called. Um, but this is just weird that they're trying to make them in every size. But on the other hand, they're trying everything to see what works Amazon never gives sales figures of how many they sell. Um, so we won't know if any of these fail until they fail. That's actually what I find so weird about this though, is that Amazon is just throwing all of these Alexa enabled devices out there all at the same time. It's like, did they even do any market research? Like when you look at something like the ring, a ring that has Alexa built in. Like, what, what are they thinking? Are you kidding me? There's no way. Who? Uh, so, okay. I, I, I saw I saw a video. Well, we're going to have to link to this in the show notes because this is so just bizarre. It's like a minute and a half long. It won't take long to watch this. But they, they, they showed somebody demonstrating what this looks like. You can actually also make a quick phone call, they were saying, <laughs> using your... <laughs> Alexa enabled ring. And so they showed how you can put it up to your ear to, you know, you know, to listen and then put it toward your mouth when you want to speak to them. 
What? Can you imagine how idiotic it would look to have somebody sticking their hand between, you know, their their ear and their yeah, mouth? Yeah, but maybe if you have one on each hand. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I I do have to say that there was a huge announcement yesterday in Amazon's thing. Celebrity voices are coming to Alexa. You will be able to buy a Samuel L. Jackson voice for 99 cents. So, yes, I've always wanted to have a Bob Dylan voice in for an in-car GPS or something to give me directions. And as a friend of mine commented on my blog, um, he could just imagine the conversation. Alexa, where do you want this killing done out on Highway 61? Oh, boy. But I'm thinking that celebrity voices are a huge untapped market. Why has it taken so long? I know a couple of GPS companies did a couple of them back in the day. Now, what I find interesting I have a master's degree in applied linguistics, and I'm really interested in the language. And I'd be really curious to see how they developed the speech model for this. Because, you know, these voices, it, they don't record Samuel L. Jackson saying every word in the dictionary. Um, they record maybe 100 sentences, maybe 500. I don't know. Um, and then they kind of model that to put the words together. I would love to, to see how they do that, how the model works. Because as, the, as this stuff has gotten better, these models are smaller and smaller. And they're able to extrapolate from them. Right. Yeah, there's some really clever stuff that, that you can do with this kind of technology. Um, I, I imagine it's it's sort of probably a little bit like the deep fake audio that we were talking about a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where, where basically all they need is a sample, uh, enough samples saying the right kinds of things. And now you can... Uh, use artificial intelligence to adapt that to sound like whatever words you want to put in someone's mouth. Okay, I think we better take a break. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about some new Apple swag. But first, we're going to have a lightning round of this week's most interesting security stories. If you or someone you know has got a new MacBook or iMac or switched to the Mac from Windows, be sure to check out Intego's new Mac User Center. It's a one-stop collection of the things you'll need to know about using your Mac. Intego's new Mac User Center covers plenty of the basics to get you running smoothly and smartly in no time. Of course, one of the first steps you'll want to take is to install Mac security software from Intego to keep yourself protected. And right now, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get 40% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today, and then use the promo code PODCAST19 at checkout. To save 40%. That's Podcast19 to save 40% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. Okay, so there were a lot of security stories this week, and we're going to do a lightning round because we don't want to spend too much time talking about them. Remote access flaws found in 13 Soho, small office, home office, routers, and NAS devices. Right, network-attached storage devices. And these are from big-name companies, a lot of these. Um, uh, There's Asus, Buffalo, Drobo, 
Lenovo, Netgear, Seagate, Synology, Xiaomi, and uh, I don't know, is it Zyxel, Zyxel? Zyx, probably Zyxel, Zyxel, Zyxel. it sounds like Pixel. Um, uh, I've seen, but I've seen all of these brand names before yeah. for things like modems and routers and, and uh, all those sort of things. Um, so uh, we'll have a link in the show notes with a list and you can take a look and see if you've got something that's on this list, make sure that you have it patched. And if there's no patch available, then just replace the device because otherwise someone's probably already hacked your modem. Okay, 600,000 GPS trackers for people and pets are using 123456 as a password. Yeah, I'm just going to say enough said on that one. That's pretty self-explanatory. You know, I've thought of buying a GPS tracker for Titus the cat because he does wander a lot, but they're expensive. You need to have a subscription service and all. Um, I wouldn't be too worried about someone hacking my cat's tracker. What might have been lost in there is trackers for people and pets. That was kind yes. of shocking when I saw that in the headline. Yeah. But I guess some people give their kid a tracker, and that's kind of the yes. idea there. And so that's a little creepy. And I think some elderly people use trackers like that as well. Right, right. In case they fall somewhere and yeah. nobody knows where they are. Right. So when you're talking about people, that's a bit more concerning potentially than pets if someone knows how to get to, into, into those devices. Okay, 15,000 private webcams left open to snooping. No password required. I'm just going to go out on a limb and suggest that there's probably a lot more than 15,000. Um, yeah, probably. But um, these particular researchers found 15,000. So again, look at the list. See if your webcam is on that list. Uh, thankfully, at least on Macs, we have a built-in webcam. And so we're not really using a lot of third-party ones. Okay, yet another Facebook fiasco. We should make an abbreviation for that that we can use in the show. Yaf. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So this one, uh, this is being compared to Cambridge Analytica, which was a big thing. Um, there's were tens of thousands of apps created by about 400 developers that have been banned by Facebook because they were sucking up personal user data. So this is a New York Times story. We'll have a link in the show notes and you can learn all about the fun stuff that's been going on with Facebook apps. Finally, a Google update damages Max. And I saw this on Twitter yesterday. Um, this was particularly affecting uh, computers in Hollywood used with the Avid video editing system. That uh, They all crashed. And you're talking major motion pictures can't do their editing work. Uh, you know, maybe dozens of computers working on a, a single film. And it turns out to just be a really dumb thing. Yeah, basically what happened here is that Google issued a software update that uh, if you had a certain security feature disabled on your Mac, which is on by default, then this could actually damage your Mac operating system. Um, or damage the file system, actually. So um, this is uh, not something that should affect most people. But if you happen to be one of those people who turned off SIP, the system integrity protection, for some particular reason, usually people would do that because they were using some really old software. And that's probably what was going on in, the, in Hollywood's case. And um, so this probably won't affect you, but and you probably know about it if it did affect you already. But yes. just make sure that you leave SIP enabled. That's an important security feature that protects your Mac operating system and parts of the file system. Okay, there will be links in the show notes to all of these. And now let's just talk about you've got new swag, I've got new swag, 
And and your new swag is a big update. You went from what is it, a series two Apple Watch to a series five. Give us your yeah. first impressions. Okay. And by by the way, this is not swag in the sense of stuff we all get. I, we we did not get these for free. Oh no, not at all. No, no, no. We paid full price. <laughs> we did pay full price. Yes. Uh yes. Yeah, so I've got an Apple Watch Series 5, um, and I upgraded from the Series 1 because... Oh, Series 1, yeah. As our listeners might remember, I wanted to upgrade because I was concerned about Apple not releasing watchOS anymore, any new updates for watchOS for the Series 1. Well, interestingly enough, even though Apple has not actually specified what the security updates are, they they do mention on their Apple security updates landing page that watchOS 6 is going to be available for Series 1 and yeah. Series 2 watches later this year. Yeah. So it's like, oh, thanks. I, I kind of wish you had mentioned that earlier, <laughs> but okay, fine. That's all okay. right. Okay. Do you I, regret your purchase? Um, no. Oh, you, you kind of do. I, I, that's not an unqualified <laughs> yes there. Um, did you get well, the 44 millimeter? So it's, it's bigger than what you had. It's a better display. Yeah. It's brighter. You've got the always on. Yeah. In fact, um, I think that's one of the most interesting features of it, I guess. Um, I'm not used to it yet. I'm, I'm the kind of person who got, uh, I that didn't really wear a watch before the Apple watch. And so I just got used to fully raising my wrist anytime I wanted to look at the watch. Uh, interestingly, I, I was looking at uh, Daring Fireball. John Gruber was talking about how this is the feature that really makes the Apple Watch Series 5 as far as he's concerned because he wears other watches besides the Apple Watch. He kind of switches around. And so he's always thought that this was kind of stupid that you've always had to raise your wrist fully in order to read the time. And he talks about scenarios like, you know, having two cups of coffee, one in each hand and not being able to see what time it is. It's just very, very common when I'm in the kitchen, um, that I, I can't turn my left hand enough and I can't tap with my right hand to activate it. So this does really make a big difference. Uh, however, what I've found with mine is that the battery life seems to be a lot worse. Um, if, if mine was fully charged in the morning, I'd get through to the evening, with somewhere between 70 and 80% battery remaining. This is if I didn't do a workout, because workouts um, do check the heart rate throughout the whole workout. They use GPS, et cetera. And I mean, I could get more than two days battery life. And so now um, I rebooted my watch last night. I fully charged it. At 9 a.m., I had 99%, and I now okay. have 73%, or 3.30. That's six and a half hours. So it's huh. used a quarter of it in six and a half hours. That doesn't sound bad. But what I noticed is that like the first couple of hours, not much would go. And then during the day, the battery would start declining a lot faster. Right. Um, so this is the too. first full day since uh, I rebooted the watch. And I've been taking screenshots every few hours to to record the, the difference. Um, other than that, there's really not much of a difference between this and the Series 4. Um, the, the noise app I find is quite interesting. That's also available on the Series 4. It's part of watchOS 6. Um, it'll give you the um, SPL sound pressure level of where you are in decibels. Uh, however, if you leave it on all the time, your watch, I think, lasts about five hours. Um, <laughs> so I only recommend it if you really need it at a, at a certain time. Um, the compass is interesting. I've never needed a compass since back when I had a brief period as a Boy Scout. Um, I, I guess if I ever get lost one day, maybe it might help. 
Um, other than that, though, I have this nifty new yellow band, which I like. They came out with this yellow leather loop, and I'll, I'll link to an article on my website where I wrote a review of a watch band, believe it or not. Um, I kind of <laughs> like it. I like the color. I like the um, I like the way the band works. Um, I've had a Milanese loop for a long time, but the Milanese loop loosens during the day. You have to keep tightening it. But this, I don't know if you've tried the this or seen this band. It's got these little humps and, and inside there are magnets so once it sticks in a spot it doesn't open anymore and it's it's quite comfortable huh okay so you, I, you didn't get a new iphone though did you no i did not i have a 10s and really comparing the features between the 10s and the 11 there's not a whole lot there that they added other than the cameras i totally agree and uh, just to mention quickly, we'll we'll have articles on the Intego Mac security blog with my reviews of the watch and of the iPhone 11. And one thing I do point out is this, you don't need to do a year-on-year upgrade for most people. Um, since I write about this stuff, I tend to. Um, but even um, for the phone, I probably could have done without it. However, the reason I did it is because last year I bought the iPhone XS Max. And I was paying, this is on the Apple upgrade program, I was paying 61 pounds a month. This year with the iPhone 11 in red, I'm only paying 40 pounds a month. And that's, you know, one third less. I don't really care that much about the cameras because I've got real cameras um, with lots of lenses. So it doesn't make a difference. Uh, Just a couple of things. So this is a little bit smaller than the Max, a little bit bigger than the one you have. It's the the Goldilocks phone. Um, It's got the same internals as the other phones. The only difference is the display is not OLED and that's not a big deal. And it doesn't have the third camera. Um, what's interesting, though, and it, this is obviously specific to the new models, it won't be available on yours, is this night mode for photos. Uh, you can go out when it's really quite dark, and, and we're not talking about pitch black, but really quite dark, and you can get some interesting photos. Now, they don't look like they're daylight photos. They're still a little bit dark, but they're they're generally sharp, um, and it's it's a long exposure, so... When you set it in night mode, it's going to tell you to hold still and you're going to see the exposure, maybe one or two or three seconds. Um, But if you want to take a a perfectly sharp photo, you can just lean it up against something and then tap on the shutter button and there won't be any movement. So it compensates for any movement in your hands through the um, image stabilization and the fact that it's recording all these frames as it's doing the exposure. Um, But the results are really quite fascinating. Yeah, I, that's exactly the word I was going to use. I, I, I think it's 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 quite unique the way that um, that Apple is able to using this long exposure sort of technique uh, take a look at maybe the light hits it at a slightly different angle, you know, in one split second, and and so they're using that to uh, sort of enhance these uh, these photos taken in a mostly dark place. And I've seen some examples of these photos. And they actually look pretty good. I, they're certainly, like you said, they're not nearly as good as uh, as a, the, a shot would look like during the daytime, but they look way better than they looked on the XS. Yeah. And, and the one thing I did notice, however, is, um, so I took a picture of my partner out in front of the house uh, the other night. And since human beings move a little bit, so your hands are moving a little bit just slightly, but the house wasn't moving. So that was sharp because the phone figured out where it was and kept that sharp. But since my partner was moving ever so slightly during the three seconds, she looked blurry. So this will work really well if you're not in a really low light situation, like a bar or a party, 
and you've got people and they're not going to move too much, but you will get people moving and blurring the photo. Aside from that, I think the iPhone 11, as I said earlier, it's the Goldilocks phone. If you don't need the extra um, camera, um, it's really a good choice. It's affordable. It's got multiple colors. Uh, one thing to talk about is the three cameras. So if you're a camera person, they are 13, 26, and 52 millimeter equivalents. The 52 is like a standard lens, um, which is what Apple calls a telephoto or a zoom. The 26 is the normal lens that's on an iPhone, which they call the wide lens. And then you've got this 13 millimeter, which is an ultra wide. Um, there are some limitations. The ultra wide can't do night mode. Um, you can't shoot in raw. It doesn't have optical stabilization. Uh, so in, in tough conditions, you're going to use the wide or the telephoto if you have the, the pro model. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about is that people with the pro camera and that ultra wide lens uh, who do real estate photography. I don't know if you've ever seen real estate photography as a, as a, as a trade uh, being involved in photography. I know a bit about this. Um, people use wide angle lenses. They need often low light because they can't put a lot of light indoors. Um, you could replace a lot of that with the iPhone. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I, I did see some uh, examples of, of these uh, ultra wide shots and it, that's actually what it made me think of, uh, you know, l looking at uh, real estate shots, you know, of, of interiors, because that, that's exactly that, that always make the do. rooms look like three times as big as they yeah, are. Yeah. Right, right. So that, yeah, that's actually kind of uh, kind of clever that it could it could be used for something like that. And you wouldn't if that was your daily phone that you were that you just used for other reasons anyway. Maybe you could replace a fancy, expensive uh, camera that you used to be using for wide-angle shots. Now, remember that telephoto or zoom lens is only available on the Pro models, which is interesting that Apple considers that to be a Pro feature. Um, just today on Twitter, Walt Mossberg, the former Wall Street Journal and Recode um, journalist, um, tweeted something about this. He's in London. He was in the British Museum, and he tweeted about how useful it is, it is to have that telephoto lens to take a picture of a statue. Um, so if you do get the cheaper phone, the iPhone 11 Amateur, as I like to call it, you will no longer be able to zoom. And so the zoom or the telephoto is a pro feature for Apple. It's a more expensive feature. Do you use that often on your phone, the zoom lens? Hmm. No, I can't say that I have really. <laughs> I don't, I'm not even sure if I've used it once. I've kind of played around with it a little bit, but in practical everyday use, I don't think I've ever used it. Do you take a lot of photos with your phone? You've got young kids. Um, I, I take a, a photo here and there. I probably don't take that many, maybe, uh, one or two pictures a week at most. Okay. So you're not the target demographic. Um, no. the, the ultra wide lens, however, is the ideal thing for people when you're in a group of people in a party, in a bar or something like that. And because of the optics of wider angle lenses, more of what's behind them is going to be in focus. The depth of field is going to be longer. So it's almost like an idiot proof lens to take a picture of a group. And I think that's probably one of the big uses for the iPhone. Um, is that, or, or the kind of expansive shot when you're on vacation, you want to get, you want to get the grand Canyon or some shot on the beach or whatever. Okay. That's enough for this week. Um, next week we'll have some more information. I I'm wondering if we'll hear from Apple about a release date for Mac OS Catalina, which would be really nice to know for a number of reasons. Yeah. And I'm sure we're going to have lots of security news. 
October is almost here. Like it's going to be here before our next podcast. And so sometime Catalina is coming in October. It could be next week. It could be two or three weeks. Who knows? I don't think it'll be next week because the gold master of Catalina is not out yet. Yeah. Um, and that's always 10 days to two weeks before. So we will be able to give a little bit more information about that. Well, I, I guess we'll see next week whether we have any information about all the security updates and all the things that we've updated. And exactly, it, it it may it may not come for another two or three weeks then until we get Catalina. Okay, until then, Josh, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the online show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com. <laughs>